Hello and welcome to Stories from the Forum, a podcast where I will sit down each week with a different perspective of this iconic venue here in Los Angeles, California. As most of us have seen our first basket from Magic or Kobe, or even a first hat trick from Dion to Gretzky. And even the fact that Gretzky coming to LA and changing the color scheme of the Kings from the royal purple and gold jerseys to the now known black and silver. Maybe even seeing the first concert with cream and deep purple. as, Or even maybe even going to a 1984 basketball game because the Olympics were in town. Joining with others about how they grew to love the forum as much as I do. My name is Melissa, and my backstory is that I grew up at the Forum. It is a place where my dad worked the front door of the press lounge for many years, just a few feet away from the Forum Club, and that it's a place like home because it essentially was my second home between the Lakers and the Kings and different concerts that I was able to attend. Last week, I had the honor and privilege of sitting down with Mr. Daryl Evans himself, kind of reminiscing of the good times of the forum. Here's what he has to say. So what was your favorite memory of the forum? Well, you know, I think it's uh, the first team that you get drafted by, the first building that you call your home building is always special. Uh, I think the first sight of the forum was pretty unique. Uh, just, just in the, you know, looking at it, the appearance from the outside, uh, you know, reminds you of, you know, kind of like the Coliseum type of thing, the way it was set up. Uh, just a beautiful arena, uh, you know, playing in there, a real intimate setting. You know, unlike the arenas today, all the seats were right on top. You know, we didn't have the private suites and boxes and all those type of things in that arena. So, all the seats, sixteen thousand and five for hockey, uh, were really good seats. Um, you know. Very, uh, very easy to move around the building, but uh, being that it was, you know, the first building that you play your first NHL game in, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I understand. It was where I grew up. Some kids, put, you know, my dad worked at the press lounge yes. for many years, and so that's, I think that's why I picked, you know, the forum as sure. my podcast, yeah. <laughs> because it's what I know yeah. and what I love. Okay, and so what was your favorite King's line mate? Well, or who? Well, yeah, it's, uh, I think there was a number of them, you know, over the years. Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, um, different guys. I think probably the time, any time that I got to spend on a line with Marcel Dion was real special. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the greatest all-time players. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you know, one of, you know, just a couple of guys who scored, you know, 700 goals in the NHL. So uh, just his ability, his his um, his vision of the game, the way he saw the game, you know, his hockey sense and all that. Uh, he was so much fun to play with. Uh, and just his, you know, his energy out there, uh, you know, probably because he was, you know, small in stature, you know, similar to myself, I probably appreciated more of what he did. And, you know, so being able to play on a line with him, who, you know, uh, at that time, you know, eventually going to become a Hall of Famer, that was, that was pretty cool, you know, for, for a young kid at 21 years of age. And, you know, here was somebody that you watch, somebody that you read about, and, you know, watching TV and you hear about. And when you're on the same, uh, you know, same platform as him, it's like, wow, this is pretty cool. And so I would have to probably say, him, um, you know, and then growing up, uh, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to play with Wayne Gretzky, uh, you know, so, you know, his, his, uh, 
his viewpoint of the game, his understanding of the game was you know off the charts at the time and it, that was that was special to be you know play with him and and against him yeah definitely so going from player to commentator how do you think it's easier because you know the game so well or do you think it's harder because you know the game so well well i think i think it can be i think it can be you know either either one of those um i think having a knowledge of the game is is something that can be used as an asset um, I think sometimes if you have that knowledge and let's say you remove yourself from the game for a little while, like the game has changed so much over the last little bit. Like now in my 20th year of, of broadcasting and going back to you know the first, first years and just watching the way the game has changed, if I had, let's say, separated the game for five or ten years and then you go look to get back into it and you still have the understanding that you were in ten years ago, I think it could be difficult. Uh, I think the biggest thing that you can do in making the transition is just to be around the game, stay in the game. And that's watching the game, uh, understanding, talking to the coaches, talking to the players. Today's athlete is a lot different than it was 30, 40 years ago when I played. And it, it's, it continues to keep moving at a, at a quick pace, uh, not only the game, but just in the way the game has changed. You, know, you go back to just 2012 when the Kings won their first Stanley Cup, big, heavy hockey club, and here we are in 2018, and now all of a sudden it's speed, 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 speed. So the game is changing um, constantly. Uh, you know, everybody's looking for a way to, you know, to get that edge. And with the way the rules are changing, the way they officiate the game, um, you know that, that speed factor is a big part right now, but I think, I think there's a happy medium. But I think as long as you stay involved in the game from a being a former player, I think it makes that transition a little bit easier. And you, you've got to be around the game. Uh, I'm fortunate enough that I'm around the game from um, from young kids uh, all the way up through adults. So you know you kind of have an understanding of what is going through their mind, the way they're seeing our game, and the viewpoints that they have. So I think that makes it uh, definitely a lot easier in the transition, understanding the way people, other people are seeing our game. Yeah, definitely. And then who was your most feared opponent to play against back in the ancient time? That's from Andros. <laughs> well, I think when you go back to last century, you know. <laughs> I know, right? In the caveman days. No, you know, I think there's, there's a couple of different ways to look at um, who, you know, toughest person you know, to play against you can look at it the physically toughest being the fear of somebody that might beat the daylights out of you or the another way to look at it would be the competitiveness of somebody uh, and then from the respect of the skill level of, of the opponent there's no doubt in, in our time when I first broke in you know the Edmonton Oilers even though they hadn't won their first cup yet they were a team that you had the utmost respect for just because of the way they played the game um, the, the pace that they played, the, the understanding that they had, and they were so much fun to play against and and, and to watch. Um, individuals, uh, you, you look at you know compete compete of, of individuals, and you know sometimes you know you don't realize how competitive some guys are until you until you, know, you get down there into those like little you know, trenches, like Mark Messier, who's 
you know, everybody's looked upon him as, you know, a, a tough player to play against. He was a guy that could skate. He had the size. He had that, you know, he had that edge to his game as well. So he was he was a tough guy to play against. And, and there was a number, uh, you know, around the league at that time, as there, as there are today, that, you know, they just have that that, that element of, of compete in them. And I think those are the toughest guys to play against, the guys that have that competitive level. I mean, there's certain players have more skill. Certain players are bigger. They're tougher, you know. They could beat you up if they want, but I think it's that one. It's that competitive edge. That, you know that they, they play you know with their heart. It, those are the ones that those are those are the tough ones to play against because you can't let your guard down at any time. That if you do, they're going to make you pay for it, whether it's on the scoreboard or you know you're going to get embarrassed on the ice by you know missing a check or something. That is so great. So when so when you work now and you're at Staples Center. And so it's a whole different environment. Um, do you miss the forum a little bit? Or, well, I mean, because it is such a bigger arena. And do you feel like the fans get the same amount of love for the hockey game because it is a bigger arena, so there's more people that can fit in? Or do you... Uh, you know, it's, there's definitely been a huge change. I think when you look at you know, the way the buildings have changed, I think... Mm-hmm going back to the forum which was unique in its own way and you go back to the original six buildings you know that I had great fortune enough to be able to play in you know the original Maple Leaf Gardens you know these are buildings that were built back in the 30s uh, the old Chicago Stadium the Boston Garden Montreal Forum um, you know, those those were special special buildings I looked upon those or and now as I reflect back I look upon those those were hockey rinks they were built for hockey I think today when we look at, you know, building Staples Center and all the other great facilities that, you know, that the team's playing now that, you know, yeah. that we call games in, they're, I, I call them more entertainment centers. Um, they're built for hockey. They're built for basketball. They're built for concerts to be able to take on any type of event that they possibly can. They offer so many more amenities than we had back in the arenas. You know, you look back in those original six buildings. So there's a, there's a happy medium there. Um, I think... You know the, the the buildings today are a little bit more cookie cutter as opposed to everybody before. There's like it, it was unique. It was you know the, the design of the buildings. You, you know, the minute you walked into a building, you knew which city you're in. Whereas now there there, there are a lot of similarities now. And, and let's face it, I think everybody is learned from each other. Like once there's a rink, goes up, oh, yeah, that's great. No, this works out great. So you know, so so for some of that, when I say cookie cutter, a lot of it is is for for the good. Uh, because the buildings are so versatile today that you know the things that they offer but you know today's buildings are, are incredible I mean you look at the scoreboards you know uh, you know these are things that weren't you know weren't around before and I think we have to we have to um, we have to entertain the fan just because of every day what goes on in society and life everybody's attention span is different than it used to be uh, you know before you, you go back 50 years ago you know watching a hockey game or even back into my time you know 30 and 40 years ago people would sit there and they'd clap and this and that now every time there's a whistle something goes up in the scoreboard you know the, the uh, you know the ice crews and things like this are providing things for the fans so it's a constant stimulation for the fans so it's it, it's a whole different thing but I think the you know the arenas now allow uh, allow the uh, you know that part of it to be able to expand the way it has. Um, you know, uh, the buildings are you know more than twice as big as they used to be. So, yeah, not necessarily twice as many people in them, but just to, you know the square footage to be able to adapt and do all these other things. Uh, you know, from the 
standpoint of corporations and things like that with the private boxes, the suites, they, there's a great value to those. Um, you know, and then you got premium seating that if you have basketball, you know, so now they can kind of marry some of the fans together, you know, hockey and a basketball fan, give you kind of an all-sport type of ticket. So there's so many different options today. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's pros and cons. I, I, think, I think when you look at it, um, the, like I say, the buildings before were incredible. You know, the uniqueness of them uh, is, is something special. And, and today, the amenities and, and all the offerings that they have today is something special. So I think, you know, with the, the ones that um, are probably the ones that stand out to myself and to a lot of people are the ones that have blended the two. I think as long as you make your changes you know, in, with regards to the construction of the new facility, but you maintain the history of your of your franchise in that building, I think you you kind of hit a home run with it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so my much. Pleasure. My pleasure. My pleasure. I appreciate it. And if you need anything else after you listen to it and you hear anything back, thank you again to Mr. Daryl Evans who sat down so kindly and chatted with me in such a busy day as they were preparing to do their annual Kings calendar with the Kings players and the puppy dogs, which I loved. And all good for a good cause, the Kings Care Foundation. Want more information on that? Go to lakings.com. Again, lakings.com. So join me next week for another podcast and another guest. It will be a great time. You won't want to miss. Be sure to subscribe below and also five stars. You know you want to do it. Have a good week.